0: Welcome to the Harper's Podcast. I'm your host, Violet Luca. Last week, as members of the media waited for Taylor Swift to testify at the Senate hearings about the stranglehold that Ticketmaster, now Live Nation Entertainment, has over music venues and ticket prices, an even bigger case about predatory business practices dropped. The U.S. Justice Department filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google and its advertising business. As the complaint states, Google engaged in a, quote, systematic campaign to seize control of the wide swath of high-tech tools used by publishers, advertisers, and brokers to facilitate digital advertising, end quote. Some of this involved using its ad auction tools to push more business towards itself, and then, after beating out another ad exchange, raise the prices of its ads and tack on fees to increase profits. The list of anti-competitive practices the company engages in are numerous and, if you don't work in publishing, can seem esoteric. However, this case has huge implications, not only for advertisers, but for publishers. I spoke with Barry Lynn, the executive director of the Open Markets Institute and a frequent Harper's contributor, about what's at stake for the public if Google wins or loses, the company's potential defensive moves, and yes, a little bit about that whole Ticketmaster thing. So, I hate monopolies but I also hate ads. And ads are just one of those things that you have to accept about the world, right? But but I personally do not care about them. So why is this case where Google is being sued over their AdSense program? Why why is this case relevant beyond the scope of advertising?
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's a great question because I hate ads too. They're in my face and they're in my ears and, and... But the thing is, is that adds, like, you know, if we go back and look at American journalism going back to the beginning of the country, actually beyond the beginning of the country, to, you know, go, going back to 1776, going back to 1720, uh, you know, the colonial era, um, until now, most of the independent journalism in our country has been paid for by advertisements. So the reason that people should, the other reason that people should really be upset about anyone trying to monopolize or actually monopolizing control over ads means that there's, if they do that, if they are successful at it, it means there's a lot less money for independent journalism and our democracy is going to be a lot less strong. And that's actually what's been happening.
0: I mean how much of the market is Google taking up because again like you say there is this kind of this relationship between you know uh there's fundamentally this relationship between advertising and editorial that ha- that cannot be broken so how much uh is Google you know how big of a player is Google here
1: Yeah now Google is when he, on for online advertising you know Google is pushing close to uh, 50% of all online advertising. You know, in tandem with Facebook, you're getting up to depending who's keeping the, 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 the figures, but 65-70% of online advertising Two corporations controlling all of that money. And uh, you know, and it's in some of those figures, it's, you know, in some ways, they actually understate the problem because, you know, because Google controls the technology that is used to book these ads and they, you know, provides this as a service that even when it's third party ads, they're taking a cut, 30% a cut. So in some ways, their their share of the advertising revenue in the United States may, uh, online may be higher than, you know, what I already said, you know, 50 and then 70% with Facebook. So we're talking huge numbers We're talking north of a hundred billion dollars a year You know, that's kind of, uh, av- that's advertising revenue that used to go largely to publishers uh, and to television networks and and radio uh, uh, broadcasters That money used to go directly to publishers and now it goes to the intermediary and they stick it in their own pocket. They don't share it around.
0: So, you know, Google has software for buying and selling ads. It has this marketplace for doing so, you know, it has a service for displaying ads on the internet. Again, this is complete. (laughs) This (laughs) What? What is it horizontal vertical integration this is completely vertically integrated so if google loses what could potentially happen to their ad business and then by extension what would happen to publishers people buying the ads and to readers
1: uh, again yeah, this is vertical integration it's horizontal integration i mean google is every place when it comes to the internet i mean it's like they Uh, You know, once upon a time, there's this thing called the open internet, and you had different people, sort of, with their own little websites. Uh, And then, you know, jump ahead to today, you've got a single corporation that kind of controls just about every single, uh, uh, you know, sort of pathway on that the uh, on what we used to call the internet, and that's Google. Um, So, if we actually start breaking Google up, and, and and sort of and breaking their control over advertising then advertisers are going to keep advertising. We may not like that fact. We may not want to see their advertisements. We may do everything we can to avoid seeing their advertisements, but they're going to, you know, people who want to sell something are going to keep wanting to sell it. And they're free to do that. And they're free to put up bulletins about, Hey, I got this cool thing and I want you to know about that's, you know, that's part of their rights, uh, you know, in this country. And, um, and then this roundabout way if they actually get back to doing that more widely which is what they would have to do if it's not choke-pointed that's going to be really great for us because they're going to have to go to harpers and they're going to have to go to other magazines and newspapers and go to the you know what used to be a radio station but you know is is broadcasting online but they're going to have to go to other publishers of content and advertise on those platforms directly and give their money directly to the publishers. And that means more reporters, more editors, you know, more money for musicians, more money for uh, uh, artists, you know, just a, a, a richer, more diverse culture, a richer, more diverse debate, a richer, more diverse environment of news uh, for all of us.
0: Right, and and this, you know, this lawsuit, again, it has huge implications for media. So how would you characterize the reporting on this case? I mean, you know, I saw this Wall Street Journal op-ed, which, you know, big surprise, Wall Street Journal loves the free, you know, loves a quote unquote free market, and claimed that, you know, this case is overreach. And it also claimed that the case against Microsoft in 1999 was overreach. So what, what's being missed in other coverage of this lawsuit? Well, that's, I
1: mean, uh, so, yeah, what's being missed? And I'll get back to the Wall Street Journal in a second, because that's actually an important example uh, of why this is good. The, what's being missed, you know, if, if you're reading in the New York Times, if you're reading, uh, you know, just the, the press this last week, um, uh, it's the normal places we go. Uh, the journalists just didn't catch this. I mean, when there was the first case against Google three years ago, it was above the fold on the front page of newspapers, you know, all over the place. Uh, the And and now it's like these reporters, you know, it's like we've got Lena Kahn in the FTC and we've got Jonathan Canner in the DOJ, and they're actually sort of bringing these cases uh, relatively often, uh, which is a great thing. And the journalists are like, oh, that's, you know, it's so yesterday's news. Well, you know, I'm sorry. Actually, in this case, this was a killer case against Google. If this case goes through Google as we've known it, the bad parts of Google will be broken. The good parts of Google will still be there. We'll still be able to search in the way we have. Actually, search will get better when you get some of the advertising and the search. Mapping will get better when you get the advertising and the mapping. It's like every part of Google that we enjoy will still have and it'll be better because they won't be manipulating us to make all those billions of dollars. But then those billions of dollars will be going to all these other folks who will be providing us uh, more money. And so the journalists, what they've done this last week is they're just not doing their job. And it's partly because the, the DOJ actually released this news on the same day that there was a hearing on the Hill about Live Nation, Ticketmaster. And the uh, you know so you have all these people. You had every single journalist in town just about was hanging out there trying to get a, a, a glimpse of Taylor Swift, who didn't show up. Uh, so that's what they were doing. They were looking for Taylor Swift and they should have been covering this really important news.
0: And, you know, Google, Apple and Amazon have all been charged with antitrust violations in Europe. And I heard um, from a Dutch lawyer yesterday, actually, that the European equivalent of the FTC is going to investigate Google on the on similar grounds as the FTC is. So, you know, it's you know, this is that's that sounds good. Right. But it's also the fifth antitrust lawsuit. Since 2020, filed against Google by U.S. officials, and those haven't really progressed. So, could you talk through those other lawsuits, and how do they relate to this?
1: Uh, yeah, no, there's a, there's been a number of cases uh, lawsuits brought against Google, and just just actually let's you know, we should be clear is like just any case brought against Google is a good thing, and because um, we should not forget the fact that the Obama administration, which had a couple of opportunities to bring cases against Google when it really would have mattered when a lot of the damage that Google and social media have created in our society, in our democracy, um, could have been avoided. They didn't do it. They didn't do it because they had this, uh, embraced this libertarian vision of, of how everything works, you know, just let the market work, let people move fast and break things, and that was just dumb. Um, but uh, so they didn't, you know, uh, so they were also afraid. They were afraid of taking on the big corporations for, you know, uh, they'd get less money and campaign contributions, or these people would come at them, or, you know, they wouldn't invite them to parties or something. So, uh, so they failed. Uh, and so what we've seen the last three years, we saw this incredible, historic set of hearings and a report that was put out by the Cicilline Committee in the House of Representatives, and that sort of laid all these harms out, this really foundationally important uh, hear- a set of hearings and report. And then after that, uh, these uh, 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 a bunch of, of cases against Google by, by state, attorneys generals, and then by the Trump administration, and now by the Biden administration. So they're getting hit on all these different angles. Uh, They're getting hit because of monopolization of search. They're getting hit because of the way they run their app stores. They're getting hit because of uh, now... uh, because of the way uh, in what the Texas case against them because of colluding with with Facebook and now they're getting hit for this effort to monopolize this successful effort to monopolize advertising. So the you know this is a reason to celebrate because you know it's it's um, so much of what has gone wrong in our society and our debates or you know this just the, the the way people engage with each other the you know the just the the information that we that people have to make sense of the world and you know to make sense of who's friend and who's foe um you know it's all been disrupted by by google and and facebook and 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 twitter uh and 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 uh, in ways that were entirely pre- uh foreseeable and preventable Uh, And uh, it was done because there was hundreds of billions of dollars at stake.
0: Yeah. The motive is very simple uh, and the result is very insidious. I mean, you know, in, in 2020, you wrote about how Google and Facebook together capture two thirds of the, of online ad revenue. So how does Facebook, which is now meta, uh, differ in anti-competitive behavior from Google? Like is Facebook slash meta the same threat it was three years ago? Because they've had a lot of embarrassing setbacks. Their 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 stock price has gone down.
1: What we're seeing, and, and that's an important illustration, is, is Facebook. And I'm just going to keep calling it Facebook because, you know, when someone tries to rebrand themselves, it's usually because the previous brand has been successfully tainted. And we spent a lot of effort to taint that, that brand, Facebook. So we're going to stick with that. So... Um, so Facebook, I mean, they they're having a tough time, uh, and uh, they're getting hit on all sides. They're getting hit by uh, enforcers, law enforcers, uh, other forms of regulators, the European uh, c- uh, Commission. Uh, they have they're getting hit by private lawsuits. Uh, they are getting hit by uh, by Apple, which has changed how it uh, sort of um, uh, uh, its privacy settings in ways that really uh, sort of have disrupted. Uh, Facebook's ability to make money in certain ways. Um, and, uh, and the, you know, and then Facebook is also, uh, uh, there's been antitrust cases against Facebook, including one by the FTC that was launched recently uh, on, uh, against their effort to roll up technologies in the metaverse. So they're saying, hey, we're going to turn into, we're going to master the metaverse. And the FTC said, well, you're not going to do it by rolling up technologies. You're going to have to build it yourself. And that hurts. That hurts their their way of doing business. Um, so they're hurting. And what that shows is, you know, here, you know, we got to the point here in the United States, a whole lot of us, probably the great majority of Americans, we got to the point where we thought, you know, this is out of control. There's nothing we're ever going to be able to do. We're never going to be able to get big tech back in the box. And what we're seeing is that DOJ and FTC, even state attorneys generals, Uh, across America, small states, you know, getting together with larger states, uh, can working together democratically using tools that are already in the box, not passing new legislation, but just using the tools that we already have, uh, can take on and take down the biggest corporations in human history. So this is actually, you know, this is why uh, we should really be celebrating what Jonathan Cantor and the rest of the Department of Justice um did this week uh, with google cuz it's it, this is proof that we can rebuild our democracy and retake our democracy from the autocratic institutions that have put their their grip upon it and have meant to make it their own
0: you know you mentioned the ticketmaster live nation hearings earlier um How does that relate to this particular case, if at all? Because it seems like, as you say, there's kind of this growing wave of willingness to engage with these corporations that have irresponsibly grown and taken over enormous power, both online and in the real world.
1: You know, Ticketmaster Live Nation is, um, you know, most of us, you know, this is not a, like Google, we're dealing with every day in multiple ways, you know. Uh, Ticketmaster Live Nation is something It doesn't it's not in their face in the same way, because it's it, 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 going out to a show uh, is something that is, uh, you know, it's 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 optional. It's a, it's a luxury. It's it, it's it's something we do once in a while. Uh, but the fact is, is that, you know, in, in that case, what you saw is first you saw a corporation roll up control over tickets, ticket sales and and also resale. Uh, which is a separate activity Um, and then you saw another corporation really sort of capture control roll up control over the main venues the main concert halls where the larger acts perform and then they combine together so you ended and then they use their power their combined power to further cement control over tickets and further cement control over shows and further cement control over the artists uh and this is all happening in the background but what the 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 result is for if you're an artist uh it means that you live in a world that is highly controlled by a single corporation you know where you can play how you can play the pricing of your tickets who gets to come uh you know uh, what you're going to earn for it uh It's not something that is determined in the open market. It's not people bidding for your artistic skills. It's a single corporation basically determining who goes where, when, and how they're going to do it. Uh, And that's, you know, that's an illustration for all of us about what's been happening in so many parts of our lives um, on a day-to-day basis uh, without us really noticing. And, And I haven't even got to how... Live Nation, Ticketmaster, treat us as buyers, which is with absolute disdain. And that, the only reason they pay any attention to us is so that they can exploit us and extract money from us and trick us into paying higher prices uh, for uh, a ticket, uh, You know, uh, using the data they've collected uh, from us over the last 10, 12, 15 years. Uh, so um, that case, even though it's a vastly less important case when it comes to saving our democracy is really illustrative of the nature of the control that has been concentrated over us as producers, as creators, as makers, uh, but also as people who are buying as consumers. Uh, So, um, you know, it's, it, it wasn't a terrible thing that so many of the antitrust reporters and the other political economy reporters were sitting in that hall in the uh, uh, in in the senate waiting for taylor swift even though she never showed up
0: (laughs) well i mean you know how how little does the average american keep up with antitrust law like we all know what monopolies are but shifts in antitrust law seem to fly under the radar do you have a like, aside from these states that are sort of taking action, do you sense that there is a growing sentiment among, you know, the general population, among voters? Um, and do you think that this case, you know, either Techmaster or Google, do you think these cases will draw attention to the issue in public discourse? Because the public discourse is uh, not in a great place.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's be clear. If If someone has been reading Harper's the last 20 years, you actually would have learned that there's this was a huge problem, and um, you know I've I've published a number of the most important pieces that I've published over the last twenty years. I published them in Harper's. I published in newspapers around the world, uh, in magazines, you know, all across the political spectrum. But the, the when I, if I wanted to say something that was at the vanguard of some issue it was related to concentration of power i wrote that essay for harper's and uh so harper's readers <laughs> have been in, uh, you know uh, getting this information for a while um but you're right you know if you're um if you are uh sort of not reading harper's you know are you learning about this um not as much as you should and this is actually it's a failure of, of journalism and it's it's a complicated failure Now, now one thing we do know is that, from from surveys, is that the great majority of Americans, this is true of Republicans, it's true of Democrats, it's true of independents, the great majority, 80% plus, believe that power is way too concentrated in in, uh, the hands of corporations. Uh, North of 80% of all Americans, you know, across the political spectrum, are afraid of big tech for a variety of reasons. And... So uh, uh, you know, north of eighty percent of Americans want something done about this. They want it done in, in Washington. They want it done in the state house. They want something done about this. Uh, and then you end up with you know, what is the New York Times covering? What is the Wall Street Journal covering? Uh, and it's not really reflective of what people are feeling in their own lives, understanding their own lives, or afraid about. Uh, and that's partly because of laziness by, uh, by the journalists. It's laziness by the uh, the editors. It's uh, and it's also in some cases it's because News Corp, New York Times, Washington Post are afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid of going against Google too hard. They're afraid of going against um, you know. Uh, Amazon in the wrong way. They're afraid because they might lose advertising. You know, what advertising they get, they're afraid they might lose eyeballs because those eyeballs will get turned off. They're afraid that some of the, the um, uh, you know uh, sort of other in kind uh, services they're getting from these super large corporations will get turned off. Uh, you know, so we should understand, you know, that things got so bad in our country. We've written about this at Open Markets. Things have gotten so bad in our country that we are in a situation in which the New York Times, and to a lesser degree, News Corp, have been corrupted by, and to some extent made servile to, um, big tech.
0: I mean, I think it's important to note that, you know, places like News Corp, the New York Times, Washington Post, these places that have, you know, always were large, that always had this really, excuse me for saying the word brand, but they have a very powerful brand, right? They're, they've are they been very effective, you know, when they boast that, oh, subscriptions to the New York Times have never been higher. And it's like, well, of course it is because local journalism has been hollowed out. There aren't local newspapers the way they were 25 years ago. And some of that has to do with advertising. Some of that has to do with, you know, offering, uh, you know, articles for free. Some of that has to do with branding. Like there are a lot of different factors happening here, but when we're talking about, you know, the, the potential of this case, it, I mean, it would be amazing to see return of local newspapers or news, the, you know, local newspapers that exist Outside of the coast, being able to expand their coverage, being able to, you know, staff up and really take take back control of the discourse and and make meaningful contributions to it.
1: That's, a, I mean, that's a great point. You know, it's like I remember, you know, when I would first go to the UK, you know, as uh, as, as a you know as a working adult, as a, as someone who'd been a journalist, as someone who um, uh, had actually started to be, uh, study the, this issue in some depth. I just remember being shocked at how few newspapers exist in the UK. You know, there's really six big newspapers, uh, you know, two, three or four of them are, you know, owned by News Corp. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, there's not much in the way of local journalism. It's just like these little, these, these, these large uh, newspapers that serve sort of specific, segments of the political spectrum. And then you come back to the United States and say, oh my God, Latin America, we got the LA Times and we got the the Minneapolis Star Tribune and we got the New Orleans Picayune and the Miami Herald. And you, uh, and you know what? We don't have those other newspapers anymore. Jump ahead to today. Uh, you know, wh- what we got is we got the New York Times and we got Wall Street Journal, and we got the Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, and uh, uh, so we see this incredible concentration of control uh, over the debate in this country, and the squeezing out and squeezing down of thousands of newspapers. The squeezing out of business of thousands of newspapers and the destruction of tens of thousands of jobs, reporter jobs, editor jobs. And we've just been like, you know, paying almost no attention to this. And this has played a huge additional role in the disruptions that we have seen to our democracy. You know, it's like, why do we see such idiocy? Not just among on the right but sometimes on the left um, you know and it's like you know, maybe you know maybe uh, you know folks on the progressive side are a little bit more uh, focused on on issues of science and reason but not always you know and it's like just well, if you actually look carefully at what has happened to the most diversified media landscape in human history um it's terrifying and you know and, and again i mean what we should be really all of us you know doing is giving thanks to uh, the the biden administration and the uh, department of justice for actually standing up and, and doing this and and this is on top of this other really important case which we can talk about separately but i just want to bring it up which is you know uh they recently the doj uh, recently blocked, uh Penguin Random House, which is uh, the largest publisher in American history, from taking over Simon & Schuster, um, and, uh, which would have brought book publishing uh, under the control, really, of a single
0: publisher. So, you know, Google has a lot to lose here. has a tremendous amount to lose. And they've hired Freshfields, Brookhouse, Derringer's, Eric Marr, Eric Marr is the name of the lawyer. The other names I just named were the name of the the law firm. Eric Marr is going to lead Google's defense. And he's a former director of litigation at the Justice Department's Antitrust Division. So, I have to ask is this a, you know, this is totally your wheelhouse? How familiar how familiar are you with Eric Marr and, you know, his his style of lawyering and and argumentation?
1: Yeah, I I don't know uh, Mr. Marr well, you know, but um, you know, I mean, frankly, um, you know, just lawyers are to some extent commodities, and uh, you know, it's a um, there's a there's you know few lawyers who are particularly able to frame. An argument, and to combine it with emotion in ways that might sway a jury, it, and which is, you know, less easy to do when you're dealing with business than with, say, you know, a crime of passion. Uh, but they, there are still people who are good at that. Uh, there, they're, but you know, most lawyers they're going to have to work with what they got. And uh, one thing I do know is that. Jonathan Cantor himself is one of the truly gifted litigators of this time. And he also knows, uh, he's put together a really good team of folks, of uh, excellent litigators. He brought in a bunch of folks from outside the traditional antitrust space to help you know people who do white-collar litigation, the best uh, you know, business litigation. He's bringing in these other folks, uh, and, you know, and he's got a good eye. Uh, so my sense, especially, you know, he just, uh, as someone who just won this case against, uh, Penguin Random House, which most people thought they were going to lose, but they, they won it big. They, they got a great decision. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm actually, if, uh, I don't invest in Google, um, and, uh, you know, just the nature of my business, I don't invest in these big tech corporations, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't be that bullish on their future right now.
0: Yeah, because I mean, Google's response to it was partly this blog post where, you know, they, they say, quote, only five years after launching outside of mainland China, TikTok is reported to have nearly $10 billion in advertising revenue and continues to grow rapidly. Media companies like Comcast and Disney and retailers like Walmart and Target continue to invest in building their own online advertising technology services, end quote. So that seems extremely petty, considering the amount of money that the U.S. ad tech market is worth and how much money Google is generating, like they're printing money. So I guess, what do you feel like they're potential defense their their strategy for dealing with this is going to be aside from doing some like vaguely like you know China's scary thing TikTok is scary
1: yeah no and that's actually it, it's pathetic it's pathetic with you know their, their defense thus far you know it's not just that they actually said oh you know we're suffering we had to lay people off it's like no you, you you didn't actually have to lay anyone off that was a choice You've got so yes. much money in your bank account. You got so much money. You didn't have to lay. You could have hired another fifty thousand people. You didn't have to lay ten thousand up. That was just to like groom your your stock price. You know, it's like you know. So uh that was a, a choice you made for purely financial, uh, you know, pecuniary reasons. So um you know, it's uh, it, the fact that they're sort of you know that the largest. a a corporation that at various times has really been the largest in human history and certainly, you know, is perhaps the most powerful in terms of its control over communications and control over advertising and over, you know, publishing, uh, news, news publishing. Um, the fact that they're now whining and, you know, Presenting themselves as a victim of circumstance, larger circumstance in the economy is really sad. And it, but it will indicate the fact that they actually don't have much of a case to make. If they had a good case, if they had some rights to stand on. If they had some reasonable uh, services that could only be delivered in this way, uh, they'd be saying that. So and, and, and we should also remember, it's like even as they're whining out there in public, I mean, they're also the other thing is they're doing is they're constantly twisting arms in this town. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, here in Washington, I mean, when you're dealing with big tech, you're dealing with a, a, a mafia group. The, the amount of money that big tech spent last year blocking Senator Klobuchar's bill. Uh, phenomenal. But it wasn't just the money they spent. It was also the threats that they brought to bear. Uh, I mean, it's like it's that's another thing that is really scary that Americans don't really pay enough attention to is it's not just the matter of the power and the control these corporations have built up. It's also how they wield their influence in this town, Washington, and they do it through brute force. They get in people's face and they push those people down and um so um again it's like you know seeing the biden administration know, joe biden himself we should you know whatever you think about joe biden actually you know uh, uh, one thing about joe biden is he's made this fight his own you know early on in his his time in the uh, you know in july of 2021 Uh, You know, Joe Biden said, hey, we got ourselves a fantastically large monopoly crisis in our country and we're going to do something about it. We're going to bust these monopolies and we are going to start off by just changing how we think about political economy. We're getting rid of that neoliberal philosophy that we that's got us into all this trouble. And, uh, you know. You know, it's so we got these, we got all these heroes. We got you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Canner at, at, at DOJ. We got Lena Khan at FTC. And you know, frankly, uh, when it comes to this fight, Joe Biden is is a hundred percent bought in, and he's done a great job of, of 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 leading this.
0: One of the quotes that, again, Joe Biden being someone who will say anything, hmm. completely surprised me when he made this announcement in in twenty twenty one, where he said, "quote capitalism." Without competition, isn't capitalism? It's exploitation, which is incredible that the you know we would have, again, whatever your feelings about Joe Biden, like that's an incredible statement for a president to take, especially after, you know, several decades of deregulation and you know just the hollowing out of multiple industries in the name of, you know, in the name of 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 profit.
1: yeah, we've always thought about it. People say, "Well, you know, Joe Biden's too old for this or too old for that," and it's like, "Well, one thing, since we actually look at this issue of concentration, control of antitrust, you know, antitrust was uh, as we knew it back in the day, and, and, you know, anti-monopoly. As we pursued it from 1776 until Reagan came along, uh, you know, it was a hundred percent turned on its head in 1981, and then when Bill Clinton came in, he made it vastly worse. I mean, Bill Clinton took." We should, you know, just be honest. Bill Clinton took the the Reagan Revolution and put it on steroids. I mean, it's like, um, and um, the uh, now one thing about having somebody as old as Joe Biden as president is he remembers well when someone like LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, was president and was using these tools to great effect to protect democracy against concentrated power. He remembers when someone like Truman was using these, <laughs> these same uh, tools to protect democracy. So um, there, you know, sometimes a long memory uh, is of real value when you're trying to affect great change.
0: Well, thank you so much, Barry. This was really a great talk.
1: Uh, great to connect with you guys and, uh, uh, you know, Harper's uh, uh, has done heroic work over the years and continues to do so.
0: You've been listening to the Harper's Magazine Podcast, produced by Violet Luca and Madeline Crum, with production assistance by Ian Montagani. The music is Cut and Shoot by Febrifuge. Harper's Magazine is the oldest general interest monthly in America, exploring the issues that drive our national conversation through long-form narrative journalism and essays. To get 12 issues for $21.97, visit harpers.org save.